Hey, welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. On today's episode, Isaiah, Hebrews, once saved, always saved, uh, new and old covenants, all sorts of questions that people have about scripture, and the Bible has some amazing answers. So grab a Bible, pull up a chair, and join our wonderful panel of pastors as we dive into these really important questions and answers. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and welcome to the Pastor Mike Trapp Podcast. Hello, Emily. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Always uh, good to have our our rotating panel of pastors, and I'm really excited about our group today. They're from... Actually, they... they they serve together at yes. one of our most amazing campuses, Hope Elam. Yes, we have pastors John Annenson and Brian Brown. Hello. 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 You guys. In yeah. the heart of the city. Yeah, what's going on say. in the city? Yeah. How, how are things? You know, things, things are, are real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's exciting. Always, every day is uh, another exciting day at, uh, at Hope Elam, and, you know, things are on the move. Yeah. yeah. Never a dull moment. It's exciting to be a part of. Yeah. It yeah. is. Good. You, we, yeah. you two are such faithful people. Uh, Servant leaders, and I can't thank you enough for that. So uh, good to have you here too, and you bet. and good to have two deep thinkers uh, on this podcast because <laughs> we're not messing around no. uh, with the text that we're reading this week, which no. which to me is not intimidating. It's awesome. It, mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. The thing about Hebrews is first read if you don't understand context and history and what's happening. Yep. It's really difficult, and there's names that make no sense, mm-hmm. and there's movements that make no sense, and the Greek is pretty um, scholarly. I mean, it, you get to the original text, and it's it's not written for a fifth grader. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. it's difficult stuff, but then you find those keys that we talked about last week, and you start to unlock some doors, and it's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful, and then all of a sudden, it, it like hits you. Oh, that's what's going on here. This mm-hmm. This is really good stuff, and it points us to something that is so simple and so profoundly deep and true. Uh, and his name is Jesus. So, spoiler alert: that's where that's where it's pointing, uh, as everything in Scripture does. Uh, but let's get into it. Emily, are you ready to go? Yeah, I you've think got some so. questions for us. And for Emily's sure. been busy because a lot of people have been reading our text this week and have been asking questions. And by the way, before we, it's been a long time since I said this. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, I continually just wherever I go, bump into people. Uh-huh. Uh, I was in Minnesota, and somebody's like, "Yeah, I." I know that I, 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 I listen to your podcast every week. And then at church on Saturday night, somebody quoted, think, thought he was quoting me. Hello, Doug. Thought he was quoting me. I was like, no, that was Emily, uh, our no co-host, way. who's always got the mic drop moments around here. No. Uh, so thanks to all of you faithful listeners and tuners, inners, and watchers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But most of all, thanks for being Bible readers. Thanks mm-hmm. for being people who are, uh, are hungry for the Word of God and are doing mm-hmm. so in a way that I hope is edifying your faith. Our theme this year is the whole Holy Bible in a year, but it's underneath that we say we want you to read it, but we also want you to learn it and live it. And that live it part is the most important part. Mm -hmm. So we're reading it and learning it so that we can live it out. And with that, let's dive into the questions. Ted Lasso, help us out. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. Okay, what stands out for you as you read through the familiar words of Isaiah 55 this time around as part of our whole Holy Bible in a Year readings? Yeah, I'll jump in. I think what stands out for me is, you know, the idea of that'll preach. Um, I think Mm. about um, the idea of don't even think about it, you know, because there's so much more. The idea of don't even think about it. He says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, he said, look, my ways, my Mm. thoughts are so different than yours that Mm. if we try to logically put God in a box. There's just no way because his ways and the way he approaches everything he does is so much higher than the way we do things. And so it, what stands out to me is a reliance on um, God's ways and the ways that we are learning to have and receive instruction. Mm-hmm. And it is assurance for us that if we follow his plan, that we are closely in line to what he wants from us. A lot of times we can try to think our way through and mm-hmm. um, try to figure it out on our own. And instead of just trying to you know, spend all the time and effort thinking about how we can fix our issues, how we can solve our problems, uh, that'll pre- don't even think about it. 
Mm-hmm. Go to the Word of God, see what God says about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stands out initially. And I think also the idea when he says, um, talks about the gift of grace um, in Isaiah, and he said, come unto me and drink. And there's no charge. Leave your silver, leave your coins at home. This is something that is accessible for everyone, and there's no charge. So the idea of there's no charge, that he provides everything that we need in the gift of grace, that what it costs is our hearts. It doesn't cost our silver or our gold. He wants our mind, our hearts. He wants our the, the things that we can offer him that is a part of what he gave us as opposed to what the world gives us. So the first thing is, don't even think about it. There's no charge. Mm-hmm. That'll preach. It, yeah. it will good. preach. And that's that's really a great summary of, of even if we don't know that this is Isaiah 55, a lot of these phrasings mm-hmm. in Isaiah 55, we, we know, right? Seek the yeah. Lord while he may be found. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Mm-hmm. My word goes out. It doesn't come back empty. Uh, my thoughts are not like your thoughts where you started, Brian, mm-hmm. which is also, will also preach for a world that's wondering, you know, the age old question. Well, how come God lets this happen? And how come God doesn't intervene? And how come God doesn't do something here? And one of the texts that has really been helpful for me is right here. And I said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I see things you don't see in the same way a parent, I mean, God is our heavenly father. Sure. Yeah. In the same way a parent sees things that children don't see. And so sometimes parents if we're faithful parents, and God is a faithful father for sure for us, mm-hmm. if we're faithful as parents... That parent is going to say, hey, you're not going to understand this, but here's what we're going to do. And someday you'll understand why. But but my thoughts are not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. I see things you don't see. Um, and so trust me. Uh, know that I love you as a good uh, father should and does in God's case, and that I have your best interest at heart. Yeah. There's so many parallels, too, because as I was reading this, and I know this is why we're doing the Bible in years to see these parallels, mm-hmm. so many parallels between the message uh, of the prophet Isaiah to God's people in exile yes. and what we're going to get to in a little bit in Hebrews as persecuted Christians. So they're, they've gone through a traumatic experience, right? He's speaking to people that are in exile. They're not in their home, most likely physically, emotionally, spiritually depleted. And yet he's saying, come and have the finest of everything. Mm-hmm. Come and experience that. There's this message of hope yeah. in the middle of an exhausted, depleted people like yeah, that'll preach. Mm-hmm. That's the world we live in. So I think the message is just as relevant. Yeah, I love the way you yeah. say that. Come and have the finest mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. who have had the opposite of the finest. Right. You know, in, in mm-hmm. exile, you don't even get to choose to live where you want to live. Completely unideal, right? The, yeah. the opposite of ideal, exactly, right. John. Right. And and so through God, there's hope. And this isn't necessarily a prophecy for people God's happy with. <laughs> it's, right, not, right, it's, not like, right. it's not like they've been clicking you know, on all cylinders and living the yeah. life that God calls us to live. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty clear in the reading of the rest of Isaiah, as we've been doing. But to continually be a God of mercy, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the Lord is slow to anger and mm-hmm. abounding in steadfast love, we right. read in the Psalms. And sure enough, that plays out here in Isaiah for God's people who've drifted away because of their sinfulness. Mm-hmm. And it's not like God's like, okay, zap, I'm going to get you. But he's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't bless your sins, so I'm going to re- remove my hand of blessing on you in those sinful deeds, and you're going to suffer the consequence of those sinful deeds. And I think mm-hmm. that's relevant for us still today. Yeah. Uh, and so the part that stood out for me, though, is at the very end, the most this time. I mean, in different time. the thing about reading God's Word, the thing about reading the Bible, mm-hmm. is every time I read it, if my heart and mind is open, if, you know, mm-hmm. if it's in a good place... It's going to fall fresh. And so something else will stand out this time. And for me, it was Mm -hmm. verse 10 and following. The rain and snow come Mm -hmm. down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow. It's just beautifully poetic, especially for Iowans. Sure. You know, Mm -hmm. we see it all around us, the the, the seasons and what happens to the fields. And now, as we were driving home from out of town yesterday, you know, you see all the farmers out there uh, Mm -hmm. harvesting in, in, in their combines and bringing it in. So... It causes the grain to grow, the rain and snow does, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. But look at this. Listen to this. It is the same with my word, God says through the prophet Isaiah. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It'll accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You'll live in joy and peace. So here's here's the blessings for those of you who've been in exile. The mountains and hills will burst into song. The trees of the field will clap their hands. How, how awesome is that? That is beautiful. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Boom, Absolutely boom, boom. Beautiful. And so that's what we've been doing this year. The word goes out and does not come back right. empty, and we see it all around hope. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think John mentioned it too. I just think that the hope that is in the Word of God, the assurance that's there, um, it gives mm-hmm. us relevance because it's not just mysterious. Yeah. He gives us a way that in, in many ways that we've seen in the natural to understand a spiritual truth. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the rainfall. We know how it saturates the ground. We know what happens when the harvest is plenty. We know when the fruit comes, how sweet it is. Yes. So to be in a space, in a place where we have a this amazing, omnipotent God who has um, his ways are so much higher than our ways, but yet he takes time to come down and show us in our own um, in our own space in the natural what we could understand and really absorb the truth of it so that we have assurance that it will be the way he says it's going to be. So here's a quick behind the scenes look. And it, just for all of our listeners, there's the four of us here who are full time in ministry. Are, we, we don't just we certainly don't just do it for a job. I know your hearts. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is a calling. This is this is what we're committed to. Mm-hmm. How good is it that we get to be a part of something that where we don't have to come up with the word. Mm-hmm. We don't have yeah. to come up with the with, with the message. I mean, oh sure, we have to mm-hmm. write our sermons and teach our Bible studies and lead our ministries and and do the things we do and come up with creative ways to do that. Right. Sure, I get it, but. We're not like creating a philosophy here. We're, we're not creating a, hey, just look at life like this. Like we made it up. Like we came up with something mm-hmm. that's just maybe going to get your attention or, or is going to be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. What we have here is the timeless truth of God's word. And so that'll preach. You know, that, that, that's the thing. That yeah. it, and that I am so great. I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm so grateful Jeez. that we have God's word to, to preach and teach. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a nervous public speaker, and I'm not very good at speeches in high school or college when I took speech class, just very average at that at best. And that was by the grace of my teachers. But when I have, when I have a message like this, mm-hmm. that I try to figure out, okay, how can I communicate this? Mm-hmm. How, how can I hopefully do something to connect the dots between this timeless truth of God's Word and the people who are thirsty? Yes. You know, you talk mm-hmm. about that, Brian, okay. at the beginning of Isaiah 55. Yep. What a what an awesome, challenging, um, you know, filled with ups and downs gig, though, <laughs> that we don't have to rely on us to come up yeah. with it. What a what a relief! That's yep. good. Uh, a few chapters later, do the harsh words of warning in Isaiah fifty six through fifty nine for ancient Israel have any relevance for us as modern day Christians in churches prone to wander from God? Yes, they do. Next question. No, <laughs> I've learned that answer is usually yes. Yeah, it, is a, it is a yes. The God definitely, here, here's what I get out of these chapters, and they do get a little harsh. And, mm-hmm. and yet there's glimmers of hope in the midst of it. God's still mm-hmm. like, yeah, but I'm still going to give you a way to, to come back to me. There's still yeah. a chance. You can still be restored. You can still be reconciled. Uh, starting in 57, you, just start, you start in verse 16. I will not fight against you forever. I will not always be angry. If I were, the people would pass away all the souls I've made. I was angry, so I punished these greedy people. I withdrew from them. But I've seen what they do, and I will heal them anyway, verse 18. I've seen what mm-hmm. you do. I've, God sees my sin. Yeah. He sees what I do. And he, sometimes, you know, we, we think like, oh, well, if I can fake other people out, I must be faking God mm-hmm. out. Maybe we don't think that, but it's tempting. Yeah. Well, if, if, even if it's the right thing, if our motives aren't right, mm-hmm. what a, how totally reliant are we on God's grace? Yeah. And, and through Isaiah, that, that comes true. And so that's relevant for us today. And, and as we see God both being a God of justice and saying, hey, this stuff you do, it's clear mm-hmm. that God cares that God is aware that mm-hmm. we're not getting away with anything. Nobody's getting away with anything, myself included. Mm-hmm. He sees what we do. He sees why we do it. He notices the evil things. He, he's definitely engaged mm-hmm. in the details of our lives. It's not just some distant God who's out there somewhere. Isaiah makes it very clear, like, God's been watching you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, yeah. is, God is aware of your heart and, and why you're doing these things. So God's not a fan of us uh, doing this. And then in chapter 58, God's not a fan of us just going through the rel- religious motions or, mm-hmm. or he even says, well, you're delighted to learn more. And I think we would think, well, that's great. God must love that. Not if your heart's not in the right place. Mm-hmm. You're delighted to learn more. You do all these religious things. You go through the motions. You show up for church. You do your stuff. You, you check the boxes. 
I want your heart, is, is what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah. I, I want, and the reason I want your heart is for your sake. You know, mm-hmm. God doesn't need us to do it right just so that he, you know, for his sake. Mm-hmm. He wants us and longs for us to do it right. And so he won't yeah. leave us alone until he puts us on that pathway and we respond to it because he wants us to hit our stride. Uh, and, and what is right? Well, you know, it's, it's doing all the things that the church is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff that we're involved in every day. Give clothes to the needy. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Give shelter to the homeless. It's all there in Isaiah 58. Mm-hmm. I think about the religious activity that you talked about, Mike, and I was just, you know, harping on that. For some reason, this scenario came to my mind. Uh, not if, but when my wife and I have a disagreement or an argument. And it there's, happens. Yeah. Like, we live together, so you can't, like, avoid each other. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys have these moments. There's, there's something between us. There's a tension between us. Mm-hmm. Like, it just points to how relational God is. He's, yes. don't do all the activity and pretend like mm-hmm. nothing's wrong. Right. Let's get to the heart of it. And mm-hmm. so sometimes we just have to, have to the come to Jesus meeting as a couple and say, mm-hmm. there is something between us. I want your heart because the relationship matters more than you yeah. walking around the house pretending like everything's okay. So mm-hmm. it like it speaks to God's relational heart to mm-hmm. let's resolve the tension so that you can worship me. Mm-hmm. It's a very truly. real relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The the requirement I guess the expectation and, and Pastor Mike you hit it is um to be real with God because mm-hmm. he knows the origin of the thought of where your motivation comes from. Mm-hmm. So even doing a spiritual discipline um, of fasting, of serving, of whatever it is, yeah. um, means nothing to God if our hearts are not broken, mm-hmm. if we're not in a place where we are um, going above and beyond the act. Um, and so he's like, for spiritual leadership, he's like, you have a responsibility. Don't yeah. be um, mute. Don't be silent. Be loving, be caring, but speak the truth. Mm-hmm. And Part of that is an expectation that he was upset and and he was, yeah, the word seems harsh, but he was sounding the alarm, the caution um, and the responsibility as a spiritual leader um, to don't abuse and become self-righteous in your service. He says, prepare the way, make Mm -hmm. the road clear, open up the opportunity, provide for anyone who would turn around, let them know that there's hope. And so as we often do in the world in which we live, there is this sometimes expectation just to do, do, do and serve and do those things, which are all beautiful. But if we're not doing it with the right heart, it's, it's just an act. It's just mm-hmm. a, um, an outward expression. If the heart is not right, it, it doesn't mean anything to God mm-hmm. and it stands in the way. It's, and it's not just the religious things that God's watching. He also says, stop spreading vicious rumors mm-hmm. about one another. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow, God's been reading everyone's mail, you yeah. know, uh, mine yeah. sometimes too. And, and stop stop arguing and, and getting and fighting and getting so in quarrels. Yeah. yeah, as a Cubs mm-hmm. fan, stop fighting with White Sox fans. It's, you know, you're not even in the same league. Just, just <laughs> if neither one of you made the playoffs, so who cares? Uh, it, we, we get into these places where it does feel like God reads our mail. Where it feels mm-hmm. like, it, how good is it though that our God cares? It's a real yeah. relationship. Yep. It matters, and in that tension, as you said, John, mm-hmm. he, God wants us to genuinely, in, in a very mm-hmm. real way, uh, experience His love for us and have love for God in our hearts as well. Yep. Quick switch over for a write-in question we got that says, "What do you want us to know about prophets from the Old Testament, and why are there no new prophets that show up in our world today?" Who wants it? I, I believe there are, there are prophets yet today, yes. and mm-hmm. that's for sure. Um, God is using um, His people to mm-hmm. um, to provide hope, to provide like caution, and um, the same way He used prophets of old to be His mouthpiece. He's using many prophets today. They're speaking it, they're writing it, they're they're doing much to make sure that the people of God know that God um, still speaks. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that there are plenty of prophets yet today. It looks yeah. different than yeah. we would expect re- comparing it to these prophets. Right. We have an yeah. assumption that I think prophets would dress a certain way or, you know, stand out like John the Baptist or, <laughs> or you know, Moses would look like Charlton Heston's magically, <laughs> you know, come down from a mountain with a yeah. white beard. And, and, and then that's how we'd know. But if you look even closer, as we've been reading through the Old Testament, 
these prophets are ordinary sinful mm-hmm. people that God calls to do extraordinary things, which is mm-hmm. what any of us in ministry are, whether we have the gift of prophecy or not, um, that that we understand that it's it's God's word through the prophets. Mm-hmm. And anybody who God speaks through a word that the world need, a word of warning, mm-hmm. which prophets bring, a word of hope, which prophets bring, mm-hmm. a word that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, a word that can be tested with time. That's how we know true prophets from false prophets is what they talked about that was to be uh, or is. Did that come out to be clearly true? Mm-hmm. And if it came out to be truly false, you're not dealing with the true prophet. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's humbling. It's important. Uh, but I do. That's a great question. I'm glad somebody asked uh, because it gets right to the heart of where we're at with Isaiah and and it, and where we are as a world. We mm-hmm. we we need prophets. God sends prophets, and we have to be discerning in in figuring out who the true and false prophets are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, switching to Hebrews. What is the more mature understanding about Christ that moves beyond basic teachings that the author of Hebrews wants us to focus on? Mm. This is from chapter 6, verse 1. Yeah, I can jump in there. Uh a little bit. So I love I love the practicality of this. Hebrews, as we talked about, gets pretty thick. Theologically, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty rich. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of practical application here in chapter six. And so again, context, the author of Hebrews is writing to persecuted uh, Jewish Christians. You think about it for their entire lives. The law for a good God-fearing Jew was not just a religious thing they practiced in their free time. It was everything for them. It was cultural. It was a way Mm -hmm. of life, uh, every part of their being. And so the temptation here is to drift back to kind of what they've always done. Again, one of our values at Hope is we worship God, not tradition. That Mm -hmm. popped into my head as I was reading this. And so they're kind of thinking, hey, you know, as being persecuted for following Jesus, maybe we didn't have it so bad. Maybe we could just sort of drift back to what we used to do and just keep doing that. But the author here is encouraging them, press forward, continue to go on to maturity. Don't just settle for a surface level faith. Now that you've learned some of these elementary things about Jesus, Mm -hmm. I want you to continue to move forward, to grow, Mm -hmm. uh, to be challenged. And I I think one of the realities is that as humans, we don't, we're not going to drift towards holiness. We're going to drift towards complacency. Yeah. There is a proactive intentionality to spiritual growth, of taking ownership of our own journeys. We're not just going to, just in the same way that you would physically get in shape, you don't Mm -hmm. just lay around and eat Cheetos on the couch and expect to get in shape. You have to take ownership of it in the same way spiritually, the author's saying, let's not just settle for the things that we've already learned. Let's go on. And I actually love how the word maturity, the things that he describes as mature is like loving each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's... People say, I want to go deep, or my small group's not deep enough. Yeah. Depth here is described as putting faith in action and loving each other, not just maybe having a theological understanding. Sure. For sure. And that that shows up uh, as we read through the rest of this chapter. Um, and depending on the English translation you have of the text, that word love shows up either once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 10, for God is not unjust. Mm-hmm. He'll not forget how hard you've worked for him and how you have shown your love to him yeah. by caring for other believers as you still do. And our great desires, you'll keep on doing this, keep on loving others mm-hmm. as long as life lasts. And in the original Greek, love agape, love shows up just in verse 10. And in 11, the word same shows up, which is why it shows up in your NLT again. Yep. Um, it's not the word love again technically. And so some translations don't put it there. Just want to make sure as people are reading through, Mm -hmm. they understand. My point is this, is that the mature, as you just said, Mm -hmm. John, the mature Christians are the ones who love the most. Mm -hmm. The most mature Christians we have in this Mm -hmm. church are the ones who love the most. They're not necessarily the ones who know the most memory verses. Although, look, I don't want Mm -hmm. to make sound like that's bad Mm -hmm. or getting back to the question before. It's not like, you know, doing religious things is bad. But it's so much better if your heart's in the right place. What's your, what's your motive? If you yeah, aren't doing yeah. it for a show, yeah. if you aren't doing it just to go through the motions or check boxes or think that you're earning points with God or something. Mm-hmm. But then those religious things become a great blessing if we do them with our heart in the right place. Yeah. Same thing with spiritual disciplines. If our hearts are in the right place, yeah, get off the couch spiritually, you know, <laughs> right. wake yeah. up from hibernation, read the Bible activate your faith, serve, volunteer, give, do do these things that the Bible says are these spiritual Mm -hmm. disciplines. 
it gets dangerous though when we turn the spiritual disciplines into the means of salvation, yep. mm-hmm. and, or or we make it sound like that's how we judge whether somebody's really a mature Christian or not. Mm-hmm. Be careful because. Where the author of Hebrews at the beginning of six says, I want you to be mature, let's move on beyond some of these basic things. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to, well, what is the deeper things? It's love. Yes. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's being the church. It's living out the greatest commandment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, what, and John, you hit it in mm-hmm. Pastor. Obviously, you just brought it home. Not much else you can say. One of the things that we get caught up is um, on the, our the immaturity side of yep. things. Keep going back to the foundational things when God's saying, look, what do you expect is um, putting what we know into action mm-hmm. and doing it in a way that honors him. And maturity is the expectation that no one starts off the same and stay that way. Um, everyone is expected to grow. And that growth comes with an understanding and um, an application of what you know. It's not just knowing. Knowing mm-hmm. itself is not the the end. It is part of the process. Then it's a matter of how we treat each other, how we love each other, how we um, yeah. how we extend grace that that we've been given. How do we forgive when 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 we've been forgiven? How do we take mm-hmm. what has been afforded to us, and we look across the aisle and truly um, afford the same opportunities to our neighbor? And I think that's part of maturity is getting beyond um, some of the same things we argue and quarrel about and just love each other. Yeah, there's definitely a theme developing here. Yeah, I think that it's pretty obvious that Jesus called us to be a certain way and to love people in like he did and all of those things. And so I think it's funny when people don't think that that's part of growing Mm -hmm. deeper. Like it's not Mm -hmm. just a headspace knowledge. It's like we know that we're supposed to be like Jesus, but being like him is acting that out. Yeah. I think we're going to change the name of the podcast to Emily drop. No, <laughs> that, that, was, that was my drop moment. Clarify but, but it's true. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's love. I mean, it, it yeah. always has to get back to love. And mm-hmm. what does first Corinthians 13 say? If, if I have faith to move mountains, if yeah. I give everything away so I can boast, but I do those things without love, mm-hmm. I'm a noisy mm-hmm. gong. I'm a clanging Crazy. symbol. I'm, I'm just obnoxious, you know, mm-hmm. because there's nothing worse than a religious zealot who thinks he or she has arrived, mm-hmm. like is pretty much Jesus' right-hand woman or man in the world today. Why? Because I do all these mm-hmm. these spiritual things. Yeah. I, because I know more than you do. Spirit, I, 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 my theology is better. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And this is, boy, the Bible just doesn't let us go yeah. there. It's like humble yourself and do those things, but do them with love. And if you do and if you're around the people who are yeah. doing them, for the sake of love, mm-hmm. if that's our motivation as a church, if that's our heart, you know, for for doing ministry, mm-hmm. and it isn't for our brand, and it isn't to get more people to watch the podcast, and it mm-hmm. isn't to get more people mm-hmm. in the pews, but it's to do those things for the sake of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. It's for the sake, because we love you, we want you to know where to get the good food. You know, we yeah. want you to know where, where to hear about God's grace being amazing. We, we want you to know the good stuff because we want you to know, because we love you. That If that's our motivation, well, all, a lot of this other stuff just gets sorted yeah. out quickly and it gets dismissed. You know, it, it, it has to be deep. The deepest faith is, is the faith that has love right at the core yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Can someone once enlightened fall away from salvation and why or how is it impossible to bring this person back to repentance? Yeah, when you think about um, that question, I think about um, think about apostasy, where you, you a person who um, has been enlightened, a person who understands the truth right. and have a penitent heart, their salvation is secure. Um, if a person then decides to to reject God and to turn away from God, that's not God turning away from them. That's them getting to a place through, they'd have to reach beyond the grace and the mercy, reach beyond the love of Christ, be, mm-hmm. reach beyond the cross to say, I don't want it and turn away from it. Mm-hmm. That's a person who has fallen away. Um, what God provides for us is security. He says, come unto me and, and drink. He says, knock and I'll, you know, knock on the door and you open it up. I'm coming in. You know, he says to all of us, he says, you know, that he has, uh, he'll never, you know, leave us far or forsake us, that nothing can separate us from his love. So God has already assured us of his presence in our lives if we accept him, if we believe in him. And so from a salvation standpoint, we are secure. But apostasy is when we just deject, uh, reject God and, and turn away. 
Mm-hmm. That was good, doctor. Mm-hmm. That's that a good word. Apostates, as you mentioned, are those who fall away from God, who reject God, who abandon God. In the context, historically, what's going on is this letter of Hebrews is written in the first century, the temptation in the midst of a Roman empire that's oppressing Christians more and more and more, uh, you know, imprisoning them, Mm -hmm. uh, threatening them, executing them, beating them. Well, after a while, if your faith isn't strong, Mm -hmm. you start to notice that and you're like, what am I a Christian for again? And and if, if you don't see the benefits, if you don't see the truth of Christianity, if you lose sight of that, and it just becomes, again, why does Hebrews say stop going through the, or Isaiah say stop going Mm -hmm. through the motions, and Mm -hmm. Hebrews picks up on that, as you said, John, there's Mm -hmm. a connection here. It's because we can't drift away. We can't lose, as that's the language Mm -hmm. Hebrews uses, don't drift away from God. Don't become an apostate. Mm -hmm. Don't abandon your faith in Jesus because the price is too high. Mm -hmm. When you do that, you're abandoning your only hope. You're abandoning Jesus. You're abandoning the the great high priest. You're abandoning the fulfillment of the law. You're abandoning everything that could give us hope. So these verses, verses 4 to 8 of Hebrews 6, get quoted a lot. They get used a lot in theological debates. Mm -hmm. And so just briefly, there's no... I mean, this would be like a seven-part podcast. Calvinism, (laughs) Arminianism, Lutheranism, Anglicanism, you know, different major strains of Protestant theology. Here's all I want to say to the folks who are out there. There's an assumption that if you grew up one way or another, let's say Calvinist or, or Arminian, Calvinists emphasize the sovereignty of God. They, this is taught in Presbyterian churches traditionally, Reformed churches, and a whole lot of other, a lot of Baptist churches now too, a lot of non-denominational churches. Neo-Calvinism is a thing mm-hmm. in, in our culture today where, it, where we take God and scripture, and we try to summarize it by creating a very, very neat and orderly system of saying, since God is sovereign, then everybody's already set, it's fixed. Either you're saved or you're not saved. You're either predestined for heaven or you're predestined for hell. Mm -hmm. And you don't get to vote on that. It's all done. And so over time, maybe you'll kind of start, that'll be revealed. But what it does is it emphasizes, hey, it's all about God. And it talks about total depravity of of us and our sinful nature and, and things that are biblically true. Uh, Arminianism is sort of a response to that, but it's also its own thing, and Arminianists tend to be, it's taught, and this doesn't mean everybody who's a Methodist is an Arminianist, but Mm -hmm. this is the central teaching of Methodist theology, a lot of um, uh, Baptists, Pentecostals, uh, but not all. And so I want to be careful here, because we can paint with too broad of a a brush, but but generally here, the, the emphasis is on our response or our free will is emphasized mm. a lot with Arminians. And, and so they'll say, and this is from a theologian called uh, Jacob Arminius, and he came along and said, well, John Calvin didn't quite get it right. And so here we actually can lose our salvation. We can, we can fall away. Well, they're both kind of coming after Luther and as Lutherans, you know, we're a Lutheran church of hope. Mm-hmm. But... Here's the thing. Luther said, you know, there's truth in both mm-hmm. those things. L- Luther was before them, so he didn't say that, but Lutherans who followed said, there's truth in Calvinism, there's truth in Arminianism, but there's also some challenges that the Bible gives to it. And here's one of the places where Calvinists get tested and challenged, and there's just no way around it, right. because mm-hmm. the author here says, look, you can fall away. You can become an apostate. It could be all you. Mm-hmm. So apparently God gives us the freedom to reject his mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it also says this in verse 6. It says, it's impossible to bring such people back to repentance when they fall away. People read that and they're like, yeah, see, and the Calvinists are like, see, that's what we meant. If you're out, you're out. If you're in, you're in, and that's it. Just gently to my Calvinist friends, and we have plenty of them in our church family, and we're, Mm -hmm. you know, Christ is enough to hold us together. Mm -hmm. The problem with having a theology that's so neat and so clean is sometimes God doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if we start with our theology and then we read Scripture... We're going to end up in a place that maybe isn't quite as faithful is if we start with scripture, which now informs Mm -hmm. our theology and informs the way we think, even when it challenges what we grew up being taught, even when it challenges what we grew up thinking once upon a time. And so, yeah, it's impossible for us to bring people back to God, to get them to repent. But what does the Bible say? Nothing nothing is impossible with God. So let's, let's just put this verse in context with the rest of the New Testament that says, for you, it's impossible. 
But for God, all things are possible. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was just going to echo that. I think it's the context. We love to cherry pick verses and say, well, that's it. Proof of my existing belief instead of looking at the totality of Scripture as well. So once yeah. saved, always saved. Yeah. And that's what Calvinists will mm-hmm. say. And yep. the Arminians say, absolutely not. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's really up to you. This is Billy Graham preaching. Make a decision for Christ. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's you, you have to seal the deal. Where Calvinists will say, God sealed the deal. And Luther and Lutherans would say, let's just take God's word. and it, It's his word. It's his mm-hmm. promise. His grace is offered for all, Luther says. And Lutherans would say, based on the Bible. But it's, it's not like a Lutheran view. Hopefully, it's bigger than that. Hopefully, it's yeah. a biblical view that God loves us all. It is God's will that everyone be saved. We read that in Timothy a few yeah. weeks ago. But not everybody is saved because God gives us the freedom to be able to fall away. So if you want to know, Calvinists are double predestination people, Arminianists are no predestination, free will people, and Lutherans are single predestination. It's God's will that everybody's saved because the Bible says that, but we can fall away. But if you do fall away, mm-hmm. nothing's impossible with God. So let's not give up on anybody. Let's, not give let's up go. On anybody. Yeah, let's God go. Be praised. Good. That was good. Last week, we discussed the role of Melchizedek in Hebrews. What else can we learn from this week's Bible readings about this priest of a God most high? And what does any of it have to do with Jesus and us? It has everything to do with Jesus and us. Uh, I'm up for this question first, so I'll be brief, and then I'll let you guys talk about it. (laughs) Melchizedek was a priest. He was during the time of Abraham. He was a person who lived, and he blessed Abraham. So the author of Hebrews, who doesn't want Jewish Christians he's writing to, to fall away from Christ, says, okay, so you got your priests, and you're really fond of your priests, mm-hmm. and you talk about the priests of the Levites and, and how important they are. And if you read Old Testament history, they're really, really, really mm-hmm. important. They're the ones who give, um, who, who go to the throne room, the Holy of Holies, to make atonement for the sins of, their, of themselves and for everybody else. So that's how we get right with God in Old Testament times, Old Covenant. So you love your priests because they bring forgiveness mm-hmm. to you. They go into the, the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle and make mm-hmm. this so for you. Well, uh, Melchizedek's even better is pretty much what the author of Hebrews is saying yep. because the person who blesses is greater than, the author says, the person being blessed. So that means Melchizedek is bigger than Abraham, mm-hmm. better than mm-hmm. Abraham. And Melchizedek is also timeless, and there's this thing in, in verse 3, I think it is, of, of Hebrews 7 that says, no mom, no dad, mm-hmm. always has been, will be, and this is like, he's like the son of God. Okay, we're talking about Jesus now. So, <laughs> so it, it, he's yeah. representative, at least, of Jesus. So what the author is doing is saying, Abraham's, as you said last week, cool. Jesus mm-hmm. is cooler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> priests are cool. Melchizedek's the coolest priest, and Jesus yeah. is even more than that because his word is never ending. His life is never ending. So if you belong to this priest, he'll forgive your sins for eternity. Yep. Love it. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think if I was uh, during the time of Melchizedek, I think I would have really gravitated towards him just because, <laughs> I mean, yes, he has this, um, this, he has this superiority in this kingship. He has this priesthood, but yet he has this heart where when Abraham has, Abraham has this military victory, he comes back yeah. and thanks him and acknowledges him and blesses him. Um, most, most folks who kind of know that they have that kind of influence and clout, they're not coming back to, to say thank you or to yeah. acknowledge. So I really appreciate that about it. At the same time, you got Abraham saying, yeah. man, I'm, you, you deserve everything that's coming to you. Here's yeah. my tithe. Here's everything that's coming yeah. to you. So I, I, and then in the midst of all that, Melchizedek can't, he's not as cool as Jesus. So you know that there's something really special there and establishes um, very importantly an order that is important um, for for us. Yeah. So the, the author of Hebrews is trying to build this bridge, obviously, and you said it at the beginning, Mike, it, for, for the readers out there, and this was so helpful for me this week, is doing a deep dive in your Old Testament mm-hmm. theology and mm-hmm. stories and all of that. His name means king of righteousness, yeah. king of peace. Yeah. In the story, he brings out the bread and the wine. That this, this mysterious character of Melchizedek has no beginning mm-hmm. and no end. Who does this sound like? Right. Yeah. You, you yeah. pick up on these things. And I think uh, it's almost like reading scripture can be like a great treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. As you find out these things, you go, wow. I've heard the phrase, I think it's um, honestly the Jesus Storybook Bible that we read to our kids. Mm-hmm. Sally Lloyd-Jones yeah. says this. 
every story whispers his name. Isn't that mm-hmm. nice? And so as, as you're reading Hebrews, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's taking you back. It's taking yeah. you back. And it reframes how you read the entire Old Testament. Because now it's not just like, ah, the Old Testament's long and boring. Let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to Jesus. Now it reframes how you read all these Old Testament stories to say, it's really about Jesus. Yeah. It's really about Jesus. Every story whispers his name as you start to look at those details. He even shows up, mm-hmm. you, you know, in right. Abraham's time, which is just the coolest thing. Like you said, right. Brian, he, just a guy that you connect to because of his character. Mm-hmm. Who does this? Who's, right. who's a leader with this kind of power that Melchizedek yep. has who serves? And as you're saying, right. John, this this is the whisper that that, mm-hmm. that that God is present through Christ. And we'll learn in John 1 that he, Jesus was present mm-hmm. in creation, yep. that Absolutely. in the mystery of the Trinity. Yeah. Let's stop trying to, again, put God in a neat box. Mm-hmm. What if we just let the Trinity, the mm-hmm. mystery of, of the Holy Trinity, be bigger than we can take in? Yeah. Now, that's even better. Now, now, okay, now we should still study it and look into it and try to figure out everything we can as human beings. But what if God is bigger than that? What mm-hmm. if God's identity just isn't something we can fully fit into our minds because God is so good? So the author of Hebrews is saying... You're the father of Israel. The father of your Hebrew history and heritage is great. Melchizedek is better. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, look at chapter 7, verse 24, Mm -hmm. because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lives forever. All the other priests that you think are such a big deal, they're all in graves, is is what Hebrews is saying. Verse 19, but now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. Our hope as a Lutheran church of hope Mm -hmm. is not in Lutheran theology or any other theology. Our hope is in the one who is greater than Abraham and greater than any priest and, and the one who is timeless and true and has a power of a life that cannot be destroyed, verse 16 of Hebrews 7. I love this stuff. That's beautiful. Well, and Emily, the last part of that question is, what does any of this have to do with Jesus yeah. and us? Because Melchizedek is pointing to Jesus and Jesus is better and is the great high priest, that means he's he's mm-hmm. eternally accessible. Like mm-hmm. We'll get to this in a little bit, but Jesus sacrifices more than enough as the great mm-hmm. high priest, but also eternally accessible. That's yeah. that's good news. Here's yeah. my take on some of this is I think yeah. Melchizedek stuff is kind of, it's all tricky. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. as a reader, like when I'm in the gospels, I know like, okay, we're following Jesus. Yeah. The names are easy. I can do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And <laughs> even the name Melchizedek, I'm like, am I saying it right? Mm-hmm. But as you guys talk about, it's really mm-hmm. understanding the order of the society and structures of who this writer is writing to. And the main point tends to be like, in that order, this person was so great and to be honored for different reasons, but Jesus is better. It's always Mm -hmm. that Jesus is better. Mm -hmm. But to understand this scripture stuff, you really do get way more out of it if you understand where it's coming from, the history, the the order of all the things, and then... What is God really saying through those scriptures? Yep. If we if we start to understand the history and who these people are, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden Hebrews isn't very mysterious at all. Yeah. All, all of a sudden it's just this clean, powerful reminder how important Jesus is. Yes. Yeah. To not just to them, but to anybody who reads it today, which is why it still sings to us. It still yeah. whispers to us, yeah. as you say, John. Yeah. Yes. It still speaks to our hearts mm-hmm. about the centrality of uh, and the need for us to keep Christ at the center mm-hmm. of our faith and not our performance or our activity and what we do. Let's start with Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's still applicable to all of us. Um, what's the difference between the first covenant and the second covenant? And what's the point of making this comparison? Yeah, that's a great question. So this is kind of at the heartbeat of the, where the Old Testament meets the new and playing mm-hmm. off of what we just talked about. If if Melchizedek is pointing to Jesus and Jesus is now our great high priest, he's the new and better Melchizedek, yep. any new priest is going to have a new system in place. So think of the Old Covenant as, a, as an old system and yeah. necessary, but just not enough, and the New Covenant being a new system. So the mm-hmm. Old Covenant was great because what the Old Covenant did is it revealed to us our need for a Savior. Yeah. That's what the law does. Good. But the one thing it could not do is change mm-hmm. our hearts. Jesus. So I can be shown my sin, but that does not have, the law doesn't give me the power to overcome that yeah. sin. And so essentially the New Covenant author here is saying that you don't have no longer have laws that are 
telling you to do something or not do something, but it's inside of you. Because mm-hmm. now in the new covenant, we are motivated by love and not motivated by the law. That's yeah. that's the big difference there. So the old covenant is something that had to be done. The priests would have to make uh, yearly sacrifices. Um, it was earthly and it was limited. They had to keep doing it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. So if those sacrifices were enough, if the old covenant was enough, they wouldn't have had to keep doing it over yeah. and over. What the author of Hebrews is arguing is that the sacrifice is completed, it's personal, and it's eternal. Jesus', Jesus. sacrifice is more than enough. He so did there's, it for you. He did it for yep. you, and there's no newer covenant coming. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus' sacrifice is once and for all. It's enough for eternity. So Hebrews quotes the prophet Jeremiah from Jeremiah 31 and says, the day is coming. That's what Jeremiah said. That's what God said through Jeremiah to the Old Testament people who are under the old covenant. A new covenant is coming and then skipping to the really, really good Mm -hmm. stuff. That day when it comes, you won't need to say, well, you need to know the Lord because everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already says God through the prophet Jeremiah and Hebrews is quoting that. And I'll forgive their wickedness and I'll never again remember their sins. And then the author of Hebrews is like, as if that isn't enough, let me just make it really clear for you. So when God speaks of a new covenant, this is verse 13, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. It's like, we need Jesus yeah. is what he's saying. Yeah. You can't yeah. go back to the days of Jeremiah. You, yep. You're living in the... In the Praise God, you're living in the era of Jesus Christ, and his grace is for all. That's good. Often, I'll just add this too. Um, There is so much here. There could be an entire podcast just on covenant theology and Old Testament history. Yeah, we could do a a year. There's so much. (laughs) Again, it's mining for gold here. But again, uh, in a covenant, oftentimes between God and his people or between two parties, they would make this agreement that if somebody breaks that covenant, this is deeper than a contract. Mm -hmm. If somebody breaks that covenant, then they so too shall this happen to me. So they would split an animal in two and they would Mm -hmm. walk between it and they say, the Mm -hmm. penalty is death if I break the covenant. The incredible beauty of the gospel is that we're the ones that broke the covenant with God. Like he says, I'll be your God and you will be my people. So we're in a covenant with God. We're the ones that deserved the penalty of death. And yet Jesus on the cross says, I'll pay that price for you. I'm the one in the covenant that did not break it, but I'm going to take on the penalty. So Jesus is that all-sufficient sacrifice to shed his blood, which is what makes a covenant. covenant. Out of love. Out yes. of love, out yeah. of love. Mm-hmm. which leads us yeah. right into our last question. We'll start with Brian on sure. this one so you yes. can kind of tie it all in yeah. for us, Brian. Sure. Why did Jesus have to die and how does his death forgive our sins? Yeah, well, so without Jesus and his sacrifice, um, without him fulfilling everything that needed to be fulfilled for the only one time that was needed, mm-hmm. as John said, all of the systemic sacrifices that was needed, um, it's a different system. Jesus came so that we could have life. Um, the, the law did not give life. It, it could not give life. Um, and it only provided for us temporary um, atonement. And so even right. then, the priests um, could not fulfill that um, as a high priest. Only Jesus as king and as the high priest can really once and for all uh, atone us and back to a, an almighty God. So his mm-hmm. death on the cross is fulfillment um, of the the only Lamb of God that could possibly take away our sins. And um, it provides for us eternal life. And with that comes, um, comes in, again, as John said very well, um, something that we couldn't do, mm-hmm. that only He could do it. And it is, um, it is provided for us as a reminder, um, as a constant reminder, that there's not another sacrifice that is needed. He paid it all. It is good. I would encourage anybody who really wants to know why did Jesus have to die and what difference does it Mm -hmm. make to hit uh, rewind and listen to what Brian just said over and over again until (laughs) until you soak it completely up, because that was such a beautiful summary Mm -hmm. of our hope that is in Christ for salvation. And, you know, you guys talked about this. We've, We've been talking about this the whole episode. It all points to Jesus. It all points to, Melchizedek points to Jesus, Mm -hmm. Hebrews points to Jesus, the Old Testament prophets point to Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
Our, the law points to Jesus, the fulfillment of that law. Our need for a savior points to Jesus. Everything we read whispers of Jesus, as you said, John, the, mm-hmm. the, quoting uh, Sally, yeah, uh, yep. last name again. Sally Lloyd-Jones. Sally yeah. Lloyd-Jones. Yep. We want to give credit where it's due. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, here's the thing about Jesus' death, just in addition to all this, and then we have to wrap it up just for the sake of time for today. But we'll get into this more as we go, because a little more Hebrews next week, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus' death on the cross as the great high priest, as the one who is above all, and is the blameless one, as, as we've been mm-hmm. talking about, is the one who is without sin. So elsewhere in scriptures, is the one who is without sin took on sin to become the perfect sacrifice for us. This is so significant. It's so important. And for anybody who feels like, well, all spiritualities are the same, mm-hmm. I would just gently, just out of love in my heart say, where's your hope without Jesus? Where's your hope without a great high priest who is above all, who's the perfect unblemished lamb of God, who's the perfect sacrifice? The uniqueness of Jesus Christ is his universality for all people, that he is God's gift to the whole world mm-hmm. in, in a really unbelievably gracious way. And that when Jesus dies on the cross, I just love the language starting in verse 24, Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. So the author of Hebrews is saying, even when that priest goes into the holy of holies to make a sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of all people, that's really just sort of a symbol. That's just just sort of a mark of of what will be. Jesus actually did it for real in yeah, heaven yes. and, and made the sacrifice for us through the cross, through his death and his victory over that death mm-hmm. and his resurrection. I get goosebumps just saying mm-hmm. it because where's our hope without this? We're not mm-hmm. talking about some wish upon a star spirituality where we're like, well, hopefully there's a creator out there who's going to love us and, yeah. and we're all going to get in in the end. We have the evidence of a God who showed up as a person, Jesus Christ, of which all of human history is pointed to, mm-hmm. both before and after. And he is, he, is, he is our hope and he alone is our hope. And he's the one who is this... He actually went into that room in heaven in, in, in a very real way. When he died on the cross, the Bible says the curtain in the temple's torn in two, mm. opening up access to heaven for all of us. The symbolism is impossible to miss. And the only other time that happens in all of the Gospels is when he's baptized, when he comes mm. and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand, rip. Mm. Heaven is opening up. Jesus actually atones for all of our sins for real. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we all get pretty fired up about yeah. this. And th- this is our hope. This is the message we want people to hear, not for the sake of a church's brand or, or to get more members, for the sake of making heaven crowded, for the sake of, of helping people find hope, yeah. not a church congregation, but a congregation in a church that wants you to come here so that you can find the hope of Christ. You can find the hope that lasts forever from our great high priest. And we'll talk more about that this Sunday, right? At all of our services on Saturday night where we have those at our campuses that have Saturday services. God bless you guys. God bless mm. you and your ministry at Hope Elam. Uh, you know, give them heaven, uh, as they <laughs> say. And uh, God bless you, Emily. God bless to all of you who are tuning in and listening. Thank you so much. Uh, we will see you this weekend at worship, and we'll see you next week on the podcast. Keep reading the Bible. Keep learning it. Keep living it out. for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform and we'll see you next time.